السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي ربنا زدنا علما ان شاء الله بيجين فروم ايه نمبر 194 الشهر الحرام بالشهر الحرام The sacred month is for the sacred month. These verses are about what? They teach us about the laws, the rules of fighting. Fighting has been permitted in Islam. However, there are certain rules that the Muslims have to observe. Amongst the rules are what? What did we learn so far? That transgression in fighting is something that's not allowed. Injustice is something that is not allowed. What else? When a person fights, it should only be for the sake of Allah. Not for any personal gain, not for any other objectives, but only for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it should only be in defense or it should only be against those who are hostile towards Muslims, towards Islam. So in other words, fighting against who? Those who fight you, not those who are at peace with you. But rather those who are at war with you, those who have shown their hostility. And we learned that fighting is prohibited in one place. And what is that place? The haram. The vicinity of the haram, where the Kaaba is, around that area, the Masjid al-Haram, around that area, it is not allowed for Muslims to fight over there. However, if they are attacked, then what are they supposed to do? Then what are they supposed to do? Fight back, obviously. At that time, they have to defend themselves. So we learned that fighting in the sacred place is something that is not allowed. And now we will learn that fighting in the sacred time is also something that is not allowed. Remember that there are some sacred places and there are also sacred times. There are places and there are certain times of the year when or where a person has to be focused on the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that means that he will not hurt others, he will not fight with others, he will not harm others, which is the reason why in the area of the haram, we're not allowed to injure any person, we're not allowed to even kill animals, hunting is something that's not allowed, cutting the trees is something that is not allowed. And in the sacred time, in the sacred months, again, fighting is something that is not permissible. So over here, الشهر الحرام The shahr, the month that is al-haram, meaning the month that is sacred. Which months are sacred? Yes. Okay, one is muharram. How many months are sacred? Four months are sacred. Alright? And these four months are which ones? Muharram, Rajab, and then you go back to the end of the year, Dhul-Qa'da and Dhul-Hijjah. So basically you start from Dhul-Qa'da. Dhul-Qa'da, Dhul-Hijjah, end of the year, and then the first month Muharram, and the second month Rajab. So these four months, two at the end of the year, and two at the beginning of the year, these four months are sacred, meaning people are not allowed to fight at that time. No battles are allowed, no wars are permissible. So, الشهر الحرام بالشهر الحرام What does it mean by this, بالشهر الحرام? Meaning, fighting in the sacred month is for... aggression that is committed in the sacred month. Meaning if the enemy attacks you, fights you in the sacred month, then you will also fight them at what time? 
You will delay the war? No. If you're under attack, then you are going to fight back. So just as don't fight in the sacred place unless you are attacked, likewise don't fight in the sacred time unless you are attacked. Ash-shahrul haram bi-shahr al-haram. Why? Why is this so? Why is this exception made? I mean, we're supposed to respect the Kaaba, the area around it. We're supposed to have respect for these certain times. We cannot fight. But why fight in defense? What's the reason behind that? The reason is that وَالْحُرُمَاتُ قِصَاصِ Al-hurumat is the plural of hurma from the root letters ha, ra, meem. And hurma is that which is sacred. It refers to times or places that are sacred that have to be respected. So for example, the life of a person, is it supposed to be respected? Yes. The property of another individual, is that supposed to be respected? Yes. Likewise, the symbols, the sha'air of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for example, the Kaaba, is that a sacred place? Does it have to be respected? Yes. So, if a place, if a time which has to be respected, if that is violated, if its sanctity is violated, then what are you going to do? Then there will be qisas for it. There will be legal retribution for it. Remember the word qisas? We learned that earlier as well. It is to take legal retribution to do exactly as what the criminal did. So they fight you in the sacred month, you have to take legal retribution in the exact same way. Why? Because if the sanctity of the sacred things is violated, you can't just stand there. No, you have to stop them. So this is why you will fight them. So الشهر الحرام وبالشهر الحرام والحرمات قصاص for all the violations, qisas has to be taken. And this is just like if in the area of haram, if a criminal does something wrong, will he be punished in the haram? Yes. So likewise, if a people attack the Muslims in the sacred months, then they will be fought back in the sacred months. Because they did not have respect for the sacred months, their lives will not be saved, will not be spared in the sacred months either. فَمَنِ اعْتَدَى عَلَيْكُمْ Then whoever transgresses against you. اعْتَدَى Same root, عِنْدَ الْوَاو So whoever transgresses against you, فَاعْتَدُوا عَلَيْهِ Then you assault him بِمِثْلِ In the same manner that مِثْل Similar, equal to In the exact same way that بِمِثْلِ مَا that اعْتَدَى عَلَيْكُمْ That he transgressed against you. In other words, Whoever attacks you in these times, then you have to fight back in the exact same way. Not that you are attacking them much more forcefully so that you are harming them and you are completely obliterating them. No. If somebody attacks you, if somebody harms you, then you do the exact same thing to them. So in other words, you're not going to fight in Offensive, but rather only in defensive. And how much are you going to fight back? Only as much as is necessary. بِمِثْلِ مَعْتَدَى عَلَيْكُمْ And this is also general. That if ever a person is harmed by the other, then how much revenge should he take? How much revenge should he take? How much should he harm the other person with? The exact same harm that was done to him. Many times it happens that, you know, for example, within siblings... One pokes the other, and the other will poke him and pinch him and slap him. This is zulm. 
Okay? This is injustice. Whenever a person is taking revenge, it should be only as much as was done to him, not more than that. Because if a person does more, then he becomes a transgressor. He becomes the unjust. And now he has to be punished. So whoever transgresses against you, then assault him in the same manner that he assaulted you, in the same manner that he harmed you. وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ And fear Allah. وَاعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَ الْمُتَّقِينَ And you should know that indeed Allah is with those people who have taqwa. Notice how the fear of Allah is mentioned over here. Just as we discussed earlier, that people think that in love, in war, everything is fair. Is it fair? No. You don't follow your desires, even in the most difficult, even in the most emotional situations, where you could be extremely angry, full of rage, full of feelings of revenge. Even at that time, you have to control yourself. And how do you control yourself? With the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is just like if your sibling pokes you, then you want to take revenge, then what will prevent you from doing injustice? The fear of Allah, the consciousness of Allah, that Allah knows how much He harmed me. And Allah knows how much I am harming Him in return. So, وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهُ وَاعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَ الْمُتَّقِينَ And sometimes it happens that you feel that if you only you know, inflict them with the same as they inflicted on you, then you know, they'll think it's okay. We want to teach people a lesson. Don't you dare poke me again. Right? Don't you dare hit me again. So we show to them that if you poke me once, I will hit you. And I will pinch you. And I will do this and that to you. Because we want to teach them a lesson. But what does Allah say? You fear Allah and Allah's help will be with you. وَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَ الْمُتَّقِينَ Allah's help is with those who have taqwa, not those who transgress, not those who are unjust. People who are unjust, because of their injustice, they will be in darknesses on the day of judgment. Darknesses on the day of judgment. And in this world also, Allah does not let them be successful at all. You know, scholars have said that Allah will let a government, a people thrive with disbelief. Meaning even if a people are disbelievers, Allah will let them live. But if they commit injustice, if they commit injustice, then Allah will not let them survive. Sooner or later, their time will come to an end. And we see this, that even amongst Muslims, there have been so many people throughout history, who as long as they were fair and just, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala let them survive. But when they become Tyrants, when they become unjust on their own people, then sooner or later their time comes to an end. So Allah's help is with who? With those who have the fear of Allah. وَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَ الْمُتَّقِينَ That we learned earlier that fighting should only be fi sabilillah for the sake of Allah, meaning if a person is attacked because of his religion. But let's say a person is attacked for some other worldly reason. Is he allowed to defend himself? Of course he has to defend himself. And this is the reason why the law of Qisas is there. Right? We learned earlier about the law of Qisas. For example, if a person is killed, it's not necessary that he's killed because of his Islam. I mean, Muslims kill others as well. Isn't it so? So at that time, if an innocent person is harmed, is he not allowed to defend himself? Of course he will. But again, how much will he inflict on the other? As much as was done on him. 
Okay? And this is, you know, from a very small level all the way to a very big level. So small level like the example I gave you, within siblings. Right? And then at a mass level, at a huge level, at a greater level, within nations. Alright? So we must remember this rule. وَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَ الْمُتَّقِينَ If we want the help of Allah, then we have to have the fear of Allah. Because as long as a person is fearful of Allah, he is seeking help from Allah. Allah will assist him. Allah will take care of him. And when a person does not care about Allah, then Allah does not even care about him. What do we learn? فَذْكُرُونِي أَذْكُرْكُمْ We remember Allah and Allah will remember us. But if we ignore Allah, if we don't care about the rules that He has given to us, then Allah will also not help us then. And even in things such as a test, an exam that we're writing. You know, at that time, a person could think, I don't know the answer to this question, let me just look at what the other person is writing. He's ignoring Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He doesn't have fear of Allah. Will Allah's help be with him? No. But it's possible that at the same time, if he has the fear of Allah and he says, no, I'm not going to cheat right now, I'm not going to look at other people right now, I'm going to focus on my own test and I'm going to seek help from Allah, then it's quite possible that he remembers the answer. Doesn't it happen? So many times. All of a sudden you feel you're completely blank and within moments everything comes back to you. So this comes from whose idhn? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, وَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَ الْمُتَّقِينَ Likewise, when it comes to family problems, people like to take things in their own hands. And they transgress against one another. They deprive each other of their rights. And they feel that if they don't show to the other, then you know the other will take advantage of them. But what should we remember? That Allah is watching us. This is only a test. If we have the fear of Allah, if we react in the proper way, then... Allah will assist us. Remember that hadith in which a man came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said that I try to have good relations with my relatives but they cut off with me. They don't establish any good relations with me. I mean, as much good I do to them, they're still bad to me. So the Prophet ﷺ said to him that you keep doing your good and as long as you're doing that, it is as though you are putting ashes in their mouth. Meaning you have the upper hand over them. Allah's help is with you. So, In any situation, any situation, whether it is at work or it is in family, any kind of conflict situation, any conflict situation, when a person has the fear of Allah, what does Allah say? That Allah is with him. Allah will not leave him. And a hadith tells us that مَن تَوَابَعَ لِلَّهُ رَفَعُهُ اللَّهُ Whoever lowers himself for the sake of Allah, then Allah will raise him. Allah will raise him. So you might feel that if you're not showing, if you're not really punishing the other, taking full revenge and, and doing more to the other, then you will lose. No, you will never lose out. Allah will raise you. Allah will give you victory. So, وَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَ الْمُتَّقِينَ وَأَنْفِقُوا And spend. From the root letters, نُونَ فَاقَافْ Infaq. Spend, O Muslims, in what? Fi sabilillah, in the way of Allah. What should you spend? What should you spend? By the way, what is fi sabilillah? What does it mean by in the way of Allah? We say this a lot, but we don't really know what it means. What does it mean by in the way of Allah? Yes. Okay, so first of all, for the sake of Allah. Because sabil is way. 
Alright? So you're spending in a way that will take you to Allah. Meaning that it will take you to the pleasure of Allah. And what is that way? That it has to be done? Sincerely for Him. So spending in the way of Allah first of all means that a person spends with the right intention to earn the pleasure of Allah. He's not spending to show off. He's not spending so that other people can thank Him, other people can praise Him. No. Only for the sake of Allah. What else does it mean? In the way of Allah. Let me ask you a question. If I want to give something for the sake of Allah, then okay, I have the money. I want to do it only for the sake of Allah. What do I do with that money? Where should I spend it? Where should I put it? Who should I give it to? Huh? Who should I give it to? Yes? Those whom Allah has told us to give that money to, to give that wealth to. So who's included in that? Who's included in that? Okay, masakeen. Yes? Okay, we have learned earlier about وَآتَ الْمَالَ عَلَىٰ حُبِّهِ ذَوِ الْقُرْبَىٰ وَالْيَتَامَىٰ وَالْمَسَاكِينَ وَابْنَ السَّبِيلِ وَالسَّائِلِينَ وَفِي الرِّقَابِ Right? So, any way, any cause, any person whom Allah has told to spend on is what? In the way of Allah. But there's one thing one thing especially. And what is that? For the sake of the deen. Because fi sabilillah, okay, is sabilillah is actually the religion of Allah. Because it is that way of life that takes you to the pleasure of Allah. It's that way of life that has been ordained by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So infaq fi sabilillah is to spend According to the laws of the deen, okay? According to the instructions that we find in our religion. But it is also for the deen, especially for the religion. Okay? So for example, what is included in this is that a person spends, why? To apply the deen. For example, he's going for hajj. Okay? This is fisa bilallah. Likewise, he spends in order to promote the deen. So for example, there are people who want to learn the deen. They want to learn the Qur'an. They want to learn the sunnah. So to buy books for them. Not necessarily because they're poor, they can't afford the books. But you buy the books anyway. Because you know, if they're going to read from those books, if they're going to study from those books, imagine everything they study, everything they learn, everything they implement and pass on. Who gets the reward for that as well? You do too. Right? Likewise, in the defense of the religion. And these verses in particular, what are they about? Fighting, right? Defense. So, likewise, if there is a time when the religion has to be defended and money is required, then you should spend in that. So, for example, at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, there were many battles. Many battles. And at that time, Muslims, whenever they went for any battle, whose money would they take? Who would sponsor them? Pay themselves. Or they would sponsor one another. They would help out each other. The wealthy companions, they would, you know, contribute a lot. Food, money, animals, so that people could ride on them. 
Likewise, armor, weapons, all of that, they brought their own stuff. They spent out of their own pockets. So this is what? Infaq fi sabilillah. Alright? So we can categorize infaq fi sabilillah into three things. First of all, in the application of religion. Secondly, in in support of religion, in defense of religion. And thirdly, in the promotion of religion. To make other people aware of what the deen is. To educate people about the deen. So Allah says, وَأَنْفِقُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ The money that you have, what do you spend that on? What do you spend that on? To fulfill your needs, right? Okay, what else do you spend that money on? So for example, you're buying food, you're buying clothes with that, what else do you spend that money on? To protect yourself? How? Okay, for example, house, people spend on their insurance, right? Likewise, their funds, right? So that they can get their retirement funds later. So I'm not talking about whether it's halal or haram, it's a different discussion. But I'm just saying that this is what people spend their money on, right? So on their needs, on their protection, as well as as their advancement, Right? So for example, a person will spend money on taking a course, on studying at university, getting another certification. Why? Because they want to grow mentally, spiritually, however, physically, in different ways. So the fact is that when something is important to you, like yourself is important to you, what will you do? You will spend. And you won't just spend to fulfill your needs only. To fulfill the needs of that thing only. No. You will also spend to make it grow. You will spend to protect it, to preserve it. Likewise, when the religion of Allah becomes an important thing to a person, it becomes like a personal matter. That just as he's concerned about his own life, his children's life, then he will be concerned about the deen as well. Then what will he do? He will not just think, okay, how much donation can we give this month, okay, five dollars is enough. Yeah, I gave sadaqa, you know, two months back at that masjid that I went to I put ten dollars in the box. Really? Is that what you do with yourself? You think that two months ago you bought groceries and you don't need to buy anymore? Is that what you think? Never. Do you ever tell yourself that you bought yourself a winter jacket five years ago and now you don't need any more jackets? No. Even if you have three, you will say, yeah, I want another one. Do you ever tell yourself that yes, I studied in school 12 years, 11 years, how many every years you study in high school over here? And then I don't need to go to university, I've spent enough money, I've spent enough money on my books and my stationery, why bother to spend more on all these school fees and books and all of that? Do you ever do that? No. People willingly, happily spend on themselves. Why? Because they care about themselves. They know that it's necessary to spend money on yourself. If you don't spend money, you won't grow. You won't survive. Likewise, when it comes to the deen, if it's really important to us, then we won't say, yeah, I gave that donation last year. Yes, I gave my zakat to a masjid. No. A person will think, how else can I help? What else can I contribute? What else can I give? Where else can I give? He will be looking for opportunities. 
So Allah says, وَأَنْفِقُوا فِي سَبِيلَ اللَّهِ Spend in the way of Allah. If this religion is important to you, then be concerned about the welfare of religion. Be concerned about the promotion, about the preservation of religion, and spend for that cause. And we think that spending for the sake of the religion is only helping a masjid. But is that all? Is that all? Helping the masjid, is that everything? No. We learn here, telling other people about the deen. And if you have to spend anything on that, is also infaq fi sabirillah. So for example, if you are taking this course, you are studying, and you come here every weekend, you drive, and you spend money on the gas, right? It gets expensive sometimes. Likewise, you're coming here, and you have to buy books, and you have to buy stationery, you have to buy one book after the other. It gets expensive. What should a person think? I am spending in the way of Allah. I am spending in the way of Allah. When it comes to giving gifts to each other, many times we think of only material things. We gift a hijab, we gift a whatever we can find, whatever we can think of. But if we give gifts which are such that you know they will actually educate a person about the religion, a good book, a good lecture CD, then this is also what? Infaq fi sabilillah. So wa anfiqu fi sabilillah. Spend in the way of Allah. وَلَا تُلْقُوا And do not throw. تُلْقُوا is from the root letters لَامْ قَافِيَةً لَقِيَةً to meet and إِلْقَاء to throw. So لَا تُلْقُوا Do not throw. بِأَيْدِيكُمْ With your own hands. أَيْدِي is the plural of يَد. Don't throw with your own hands. Don't throw what? Don't throw yourselves. Into what? إِلَى التَّهْلُكَةً into destruction, to destruction. Don't throw yourselves to destruction. How? How would a person throw himself into destruction? By not spending in the way of Allah. What is a tahluka? Tahluka is from the root letters halam kaf. And tahluka halak, destruction. And remember that there are two types of destruction. One is physical, hissi, and the other is Intangible, ma'nawi. What is the physical, what is the tangible destruction? So for example, a person throws himself into the fire. This is what? Killing oneself. Destroying oneself physically. Likewise, a person jumps into water and he knows he doesn't know how to swim and he jumps into the deepest lake ever. And what is he doing? Throwing himself into destruction. Right? Likewise, a person sleeps under a wall that is about to collapse then what is he doing? What is he doing? He's throwing himself into destruction. The second type of destruction is ma'nawi. It is intangible. What does it mean? That a person does something or does not do something that will be a cause of his ruin. So for instance, person has been studying for an entire year. And when the time comes to write the exam... He sleeps in. He doesn't show up for the exam. Is he destroying himself? Is he? Yes, he is. He's wasting his life. He's wasting all that money, all those hours that he spent in preparing, in studying. That is destroying oneself. Likewise, if a person does not find a job, 
Okay? He does not find a job. Then what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Can he grow financially? No, he cannot. How much can he live off of his parents? For how long? Is he going to grow financially? No. Will he be able to get married? You know, have a family soon? No. Will he be able to afford a house, a car? No. Will he be able to travel around? No. Will he be able to socialize with other people? No. Because if a person does not have money at all, he doesn't earn any money, then what is he doing? He is destroying himself. Right? And this is the reason why parents are so concerned about their children. Go to school, study properly, so that you can be something, so that you can work and you can make money and you can stand on your feet. You know, the other day somebody was telling me about this person who has been out of high school since over 10 years perhaps now. And they don't have a job. They don't work. They don't work. What do they do? Nothing. Nothing at all. They don't have a car. They bike around everywhere. They cannot afford bus passes. So they just take their bike and they go wherever they have to. They don't have much of a social network. They don't really go to the masajid that much because they cannot go. What is this person doing? You know, really, if you think about it, when they die, what are they leaving behind on this earth? I heard in a lecture recently that this person was saying that I am leaving behind in this world just another grave. That's the only impact that I'm making to this world. So if a person does not do something with his life, something meaningful, something purposeful, then what is he doing? He's wasting himself. He's destroying himself. Each day is going by. Each month is over. Each year is over. And what have you achieved? Nothing. What have you gained? Nothing. What do you want to do? Nothing. So what is a person doing then? He's wasting himself. He's destroying himself. So Allah says, لا تلقوا بأيديكم إلا تهلكا Don't throw yourselves into destruction. And over here in particular, what does this mean? This is intangible destruction. And this means that if you don't spend for the deen, if you don't spend for the preservation, for the promotion of the deen, if you don't spend for the application of deen, then what are you doing? You are destroying yourself. So for example, a person has money. They can go for hajj, but they say no. Too expensive. They don't mind buying a ring for $5,000, but when it comes to buying a hajj package, oh my God, too expensive. So what are they doing? They're throwing themselves into destruction. Because if a person can afford to do hajj, and he does not perform hajj, then he can die as a Jew or a Christian. doesn't matter. Allah doesn't care. That person's Islam is not acceptable. So what is he doing? He is throwing himself into destruction. Likewise, if a person does not care about the protection of religion, then what's going to happen? Eventually, he will be harmed as well. Eventually, people will also attack him. And this happens. That people think that if they only have a Muslim name, if they only have a Muslim name, a Muslim family, they don't have to live like Muslims, they don't have to practice Islam, and they can live however they wish to, everything will be fine, it won't be fine. When people turn against Muslims, they don't care whether someone wears hijab or they don't. They don't care whether someone has a beard or they don't have a beard. 
When people become biased against your faith, they don't care about your level of religiosity. So if you don't strive to protect the religion, then what are you doing? You're destroying yourself. Sooner or later, you will be in trouble. Likewise, if a person does not strive, he does not spend to promote the religion, and ignorance, misconceptions about the religion are all over, then what's going to happen? He's throwing himself into destruction. Because eventually, sooner or later, he will also suffer. So, وَلَا تُلْقُوا بِأَيْدِيكُمْ إِلَى التَّهْلُكَ Think about it. If the Sahaba, at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, if they did not spend whatever they had for the protection of the deen, would we have Islam today? Would we have Islam today? We wouldn't perhaps. They spent whatever they had, whatever they could afford. A companion worked all night and all that he got at the end was a handful of dates. And he brought that for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for the religion, for the preservation, for the protection of religion. So whatever you have, bring it, spend it, because you have to protect this religion for your sake. For your sake. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Qur'an that وَاتَّقُوا فِتْنَةً لَا تُصِيبَنَّ الَّذِينَ الظَّلَمُوا مِنْكُمْ خَاصَّةً Fear the fitna, the trial, that will not just inflict those who are doing injustice amongst you only. No. Even those people who are being very passive, they will be affected as well. So it's our obligation that we take our religion seriously. We protect it as we protect ourselves. We promote it as we promote ourselves. We want people to have the right understanding of religion as we want people to have right thinking about us. If anybody has wrong thinking about us, if they are misinformed about us, what do we do? We go to great lengths to clarify that. And people have misconceptions about the religion and we can say, oh, doesn't matter. Somebody else will do it. Who will clarify that if you don't stand up? Somebody has to do it, right? So you have to stand up. You have to spend. So, وَأَنْفِقُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَلَا تُلْقُوا بِأَيْدِيكُمْ إِلَى التَّهْلُكَةِ Don't throw yourselves into destruction. And this is a very serious matter. If we don't spend in the way of Allah, then we are harming ourselves. And remember that spending does not just mean giving money. Spending means giving of yourself as well. Giving of your time, your ability, your talents as well. Many times it happens that people become selfish or they're only concerned about themselves. And they think that if they're taking time out to learn their religion or to help other people understand their religion, then you know they're doing that extra step and it's not that necessary. What does this ayah teach us? Is it necessary to take that extra step? To teach other people about the religion? It is. Because suppose you know how to pray, you know how to recite the Qur'an, okay, and you're living in your family, and your children are growing up. If you don't volunteer to teach other people the Qur'an, if you don't do it, then what's going to happen? Other people are not going to learn. Right? And when other people are not going to learn, then tell me, who is going to teach your children if you die? Who is going to teach your children if you die? If you don't spread the knowledge that you have, then who's going to care about your children? 
Don't we know about so many people who have reached adulthood but they still don't know how to read Qur'an fluently? They still have no idea about what they're saying in their prayers? They have no idea about the simple simple matters of religion? They don't know. Why? Because we complain there are no teachers. There's no one to teach their religion. You know why? Because those who know are only concerned about themselves. They think me first, my job first, my family first. Okay, after one comes two, right? So after your family, there has to be somebody else that you should be looking out for. You should be caring about. So we must make this very clear to ourselves that if we want to be safe in this dunya and in the akhirah, then we have to take our religion very, very seriously. It has to become a personal affair. A personal matter. Something that we cannot separate from our lives, but it has to be a part of our lives. And only if we live like that, can this religion thrive. And this religion will survive anyway. Allah does not need us. But if we make this religion a part of our daily lives, then only can we survive. Then only can this deen pass on to our children, to our succeeding generations. So, وَأَنْفِقُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَلَا تُلْقُوا بِأَيْدِيكُمْ إِلَى التَّهْلُكَةِ وَأَحْسِنُوا and do إِحْسَانِ Because sometimes we think that if we're spending our time, our money, you know, we're volunteering or whatever to teach the religion, to help the cause of the religion, to help an Islamic organization, you know, this is too much. What does Allah say? Okay, do too much. Do إِحْسَان وَأَحْسِنُوا You're talking about إِحْسَان towards your children, towards your relatives. إِحْسَان the deen also deserves some ihsan. وَأَحْسِنُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الْمُحْسِنِينَ Indeed, Allah loves those people who do ihsan. Muhsinin is a plural of muhsin and yuhibbu from hub hababa. Allah loves those people who do ihsan. And if this was the only benefit of doing ihsan, that Allah loves such people, then it would be justified to do ihsan. It would be good enough of a reason to do ihsan that Allah loves those people who do ihsan. Inna Allaha yuhibbul muhsinin. We listen to the recitation and then a few more things. Ashahrul haramu bishahril harami wal hurumatu qisas. Famani ahtada alaykum fa'tadu alayhi bimithli ma'tada alaykum. وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَاعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَ الْمُتَّقِينَ وَأَنْفِقُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَلَا تُلْقُوا بِأَيْدِيكُمْ إِلَى التَّهْلُكَةِ وَأَحْسِنُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الْمُحْسِنِينَ Many times we think that if we make money ourselves, if we have a job and we're earning, then we should spend in the way of Allah. But we learn that spending is not just with money. Supporting the deen is not just with the money that you can give. But it can be in any way that you can help the cause. There was a woman at the time of the Prophet ﷺ who used to clean the masjid. She used to just come and clean the masjid. She wasn't hired. She wasn't getting paid for that nor was she getting any community service hours in return. No, nothing in return. She was doing it, why? Because she loved the masjid. Why did she love the masjid? Because she loved 
the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when a person loves the religion of Allah, then he loves everything that is associated to it. Then he doesn't mind giving of himself. So we also need to think that how can we contribute, how can we help out for the cause of Islam, for the religion of Islam, whatever that we can do. And each person has been given different talents, different abilities. One person could have money. Okay, he should use that. Another person could have been given you know, smart brains. So he should learn the deen, he should specialize in the religion so that he can pass on that religion to others. Another person may have a lot of free time. So come and help other people out. Another person could be physically able, physically very energetic. So help other people with that energy that Allah has given you. But do something. Because if we don't help the deen of Allah, then we are throwing ourselves into destruction. We are offering ourselves for the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what we are doing. Now many times it happens that we go to, for example, a masjid. Okay? And in that masjid, you know, there is air conditioning and there is clean carpets and everything. You think all of that is happening for free? It's just the money is falling from the sky? The donation boxes are full of money, they're erupting with money. Every time they need the money, just open the donation box and they find money there. Is that what happens? Whenever a place is run, whenever an organization is run, whenever even a small place, even a small group of people are coming together to do something, tell me, do you need money for that? Yes, you do. You do. And is money everything? No, you also need people. You need other resources as well. So we all need to open up our eyes and start looking at such places, at such events, at such groups, so that we can put our share into it. We can put our share into it. You know, the other day, I had my daughter's ears pierced. Okay? And my mother-in-law, when she saw, she was so happy, immediately she went and she got money and gave it to her. I mean, and she's like, it's for her, okay? It's for her. And I was thinking, why did she give money to her? Because she wanted to be a part of that event. I mean, it's not that big of a deal, but she loves her granddaughter so much that she wanted to be a part of that thing. Right? So when you love something, you look for opportunities. You don't say, okay, yeah, they spent money out of their own pockets and they should have. You know, they're the parents anyway. They're the ones who started this. So they should spend it. No problem. Why did she spend? Because she loves her granddaughter. Likewise, we think, oh, masjid, it's not our masjid. This masjid is for Arabs. This masjid is Pakistanis. This masjid is Somalis. You know, they're the ones who started it, so they should take care of it. Yeah, I went once and that's, that's it. No. If you love the religion of Allah, you will love every single masjid. You will love every single organization. You will not pick and choose. I give donation here and not here. I volunteer here and not here. Then you will look for opportunities. And if a person doesn't, then he is hmm? throwing himself into destruction. So, لا تلقوا بأيديكم إلى التهلكة وأحسنوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الْمَحْسِنِينَ I want all of you to stand up and I want you to share with the person standing next to you as to what you will do to spend in the way of Allah.
And it has to be something that is practical. Not that next time I go to a masjid, I will put money in the donation box. No. Something practical. Realistic. She said she was going to buy some dua books and give them out to her friends. Excellent idea. What else can we do? Okay. You want to distribute the translation of the Quran to her neighbors? Good. So there is a shelf that she found in the masjid which she thinks is very messy. So she says she's going to clean it up, inshallah. I'll check tomorrow. <laughs> inshallah. So there's a dawah booth somewhere and she's going to volunteer over there every Saturday. So if you know about somebody who has been asking you questions about Islam and you know that they have some kind of misconceptions maybe or misunderstanding, then it is your obligation that you clarify to them. So she said that she shared an article with someone and that really helped her clear her thinking. So inshallah she's going to help in this uh, dawah organization in sending emails. That's a very good thing to do. We think only spending money. But the actual work, people are missing. People are not there to do that. What are you going to do? What kind of help? Okay, so help teach the kids. Okay, help out in any way that you can. I want real practical stuff. The stuff that you can think, okay, I'm going to do this and you can go and do it. Yes. So at a masjid iftar, but outside of Ramadan as well. So for example, if we come 10 minutes early, then we can help set up this classroom. And if, let's say, we don't show up, then you know what's going to happen? Eventually nobody's going to show up and set up the classroom. And just like we don't have desks right now, chairs right now, perhaps we won't have benches then. Because if there's nobody to do it, eventually, you won't have anything, right? So if you want to help yourself, then you have to help others. You have to help the deen of Allah. Whenever you're helping the deen of Allah, remember you're actually helping yourself. We think somebody else will do it. But who is that somebody else? Who is that he or she? It has to be you and I. Because if we don't fill that gap, who will? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent angels at the time of Badr and Uhud and every time the Prophet ﷺ was in a battle. But it's because they did their best. And we think, yeah, angels will descend and we just sit on our hands and sip on our tea. So there are many people who read the Qur'an, but they don't know what it means. So helping them understand by providing them translation books or lecture CDs or tafsir books or whatever it is, helping them out in that way. You know, in the month of Ramadan, they have these uh, iftars at the masjid. How many people attend those? How many people have actually been to one at least in their entire lives? Okay, everybody has, right? So... Has anybody had like a wedding in their family or you know a big party for which they had to rent out a facility and pay for food per plate? Anybody? How much did you pay for one plate? $25. What else? Any other person paid? Hmm? Anybody has, has an idea of how much they paid per person? $35. Anything else? Any other? Yes? $65. Okay. 
Imagine, if you have 200 people showing up at your wedding, and you're paying, let's say, $20 a plate. Still, is that a lot of money? Is that? It's quite a lot. You know how many people show up at an iftar at a masjid? Typically? Hundred? No way. More than hundred. Three hundred? Four hundred? Sometimes more, sometimes less. Now just imagine, each person is having food. And that food is not, you know, plain pasta with some pasta sauce on it. But it's real food. Where do you think that money is coming from? Where? Where do you think it's coming from? Somebody's pockets, right? And imagine, whoever is spending that money, are they getting ajr for every person who's eating? Yes. So what should we do then? We should also put our share into these things. I'm not saying sponsor an entire iftar. So that you have to spend $2,000 which you don't even have. But I'm saying that spend whatever you can, even a little bit. I know this lady who whenever she goes to any masjid, you know what she does before leaving? She puts sadaqah in that masjid. She said, I used this masjid. I used this facility. I went to their washroom, used their slippers, used their water. And I went to the masjid and prayed over there. So I used that facility. So I have to pay the masjid back in some way or the other so that this khair, this good can continue. So whenever we go to any Islamic center, any Islamic organization, we benefit from there even a little bit, then we shouldn't just be concerned about paying our fees or anything like that, but also helping out in other ways. And again, not just money, but people. You know, sometimes I, I come and I see shoes all over the floor. And it happens with children, they become lazy, they don't want to put them up on the shelves. And there's plenty of room on the shelves, but they don't want to do that, they leave everything on the floor, and once the front is blocked, then everybody starts putting their shoes behind that. And if we have the time, if we have the energy, we can simply pick those shoes up and put them on the shoe racks. Right? But we don't think to do that. We think somebody else will, or we think it's not important. Honestly, would you like such a mess in your own house? Would you? Never. If you go to your washroom, there are guests over, and the washroom is dirty, somebody spilled water on the floor, what are you going to do? Ew! And walk out? If you do that, it's an insult to you. Right? So why is it that when we go to a masjid, and we see the washroom's dirty, we're like, okay, yeah, there's paper, who cares? So filthy, this management man, they don't know anything. Do something yourself. Do something yourself. It's about time that we take our religion seriously. We take this as a personal matter. This masjid is mine. This Islamic center is mine. I benefit from it. I use it. I have to take care of it. In whatever way that I can. Yes. But I'm not saying that at a masjid it costs that much, but close to that, around that. Okay. Let's continue.